Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Super Retriever Series Behind the Line podcast. Hey, everybody, I'm your host, David Hamilton, and I got to tell you, I'm excited for this episode. First of all, because it's our first episode after we just completed the 2023 Super Retriever Series Crown Championship down in Shreveport, Bossier City, Louisiana. But second of all, I'm super excited to talk to my guest. He's been a guest on the podcast before, but... It's rare that someone comes in a sport and has as much of immediate impact as, as Carter Turner has had here in the Super Retriever Series. I mean, we're talking about this is a guy who's Rookie of the Year, Team of the Year sweep, coming in first, second, and third in the Yukonuba Team of the Year standings, Nike Award winner, and now he's the 2023 Super Retriever Series crown champion in the Open Division. We're excited to talk to Carter Turner today. We'll talk to him in just a second. Of course, we have to start off first and thank our sponsor, Yukonuba. Yukonuba is the sponsor of the Super Retriever Series, Crown Championship, and this Behind the Line podcast. If you want to get the most of your dog in your training sessions, you need nutrition that holds nothing back. Yukonuba's premium performance lineup is built with the nutrients that dogs need to help unleash their maximum potential. That starts with providing energy that matches their efforts, supporting optimal nutrient delivery, and supporting post-exercise recovery. Check out the Yukonuba Premium Performance lineup and find your dog's fuel at yukonubasportingdog.com. As I said a moment ago, our guest today, Carter Turner. And Carter, I guess the first thing I need to say is congratulations, man. You are the 2023 Super Retriever Series crown champion alongside your dog partner, Cappy. So, uh... Start us off with the most obvious question, man. How are you feeling now a couple of days afterwards? Has it sank in yet that you're the winner and the, and will be the defending crown champion all of next year? Oh, it took a couple of days to get to get the feeling that, I, you know, it's actually real. But now we've moved on and we got the grand coming up. So we didn't have a whole lot of time to, to celebrate it. But, man, it's a blessing to be able to stand beside Cappy and enjoy that time and you know, we're already preparing for next year to get the target off our back and go after it again, but it's a great feeling. Speaking of target on your back, you came in this year, man. You had an amazing year. I mean, you were rookie of the year. You were the Nike Award winner. You finished first, second, and third in the Open Division and Team of the Year. And then you come into the crown, so obviously you have your, the target on your back at that point. 
And then you had three dogs among the six in the final. Just talk to me about your year overall and then heading into the crown if you thought you could carry that momentum through uh, to hopefully try to get a crown championship. So beginning of the year, I had some goals, and I just wanted to kind of get my feet wet and kind of make a name that, you know, people who knew who I was. And I never expected to have a good year like I did, even though the work ethic's there and I have fine animals to stand by. But I know this game takes a lot of experience and a lot of preparation, and I think I transitioned well to it. And it was a blessing to be able to have the results. And then end of the year with all three team of the year placements and you know, being able to stand beside Shooter, who won team of the year, was very nice because he taught me just as much as I taught him and then moved into the crown. I knew I had some good dogs going into it, but it's the crown, and I was a little nervous and being able to say I wanted to make it out of the – I wanted to make a dog to the third series. If I can make one to the third, I feel like I would have some positivity. And then I, when I carried five to the third, and I was like, well, now we just got to carry at least one to the fourth. And then when we made it to the fourth with with four, I was like, oh, now it's starting to set in. And from, from then on, it was like, you know what, I can do it. I gained a little confidence, and, and it was all da- all downhill from there. So you came in, I imagine, like you said, there's there's some nerves there, right? It's your, it's your first ever crown. And then you're getting along to that point, and now you're like, okay, wait, I got a chance here. But do the nerves also sink back in now that you're getting back to the finals and you got – three dogs of the six and you're like, man, I got a 50% chance of winning this thing. Um, I can't screw this up. Right. Absolutely. And, and the nerves were there in the finals, you know, in the, the four series, I didn't really feel much, um, got to the finals and boy, they, they sure did hit me the morning of. And I knew I was like, well, I better, I better hunker down here. And I really didn't have much nerves when I stepped to the line and Zeus went right past the go bird all the nerves come immediately back. And I was like, I got really nervous for a minute. I was like, I can't pick up the shortest burden floating out in the water. So I made it. I finally got through Zeus with a pretty good run. And then when Shooter put up a good score, well, he had a good run. I didn't know the score at the time, put up a good run. I knew I knew I could do it then. I had a lot of fun running Cappy up there, real nervous, was gone. And all the nerves were gone and just had a lot of fun and a lot of confidence in the dog, knew that he's been hot all week, that he could keep it going. Yeah, let's talk about Cappy, but but also all the dogs. So, okay, like you said, you brought in several dogs. That first series was an AKC-style hunt test for someone who maybe wasn't there or didn't see it on the live stream. Explain the test a little bit and tell me how you think your dogs performed in, in Series 1. So in Series 1, um, they threw two birds. It'd be what we call a reverse hip pocket, the short gun through into the bottom of the long gun, and then you note off and run a poison bird blind off to the left. And the terrain there was in the golf course right there. The old golf course had a couple of valleys and dips to the right and was really tough blind. They, they had a really tight corridor, I believe. And the blind, you lost sight of the dog in multiple spots if they got out, got to the right. And then trying to pick up the marks, the way the terrain funneled them to the right, that the dogs were had a very tough time. I did, I did very well. Had a couple handles there. A couple dogs had a handle in it, but ended up in really good shape. Um, dog named Joe that I carried to the semifinals put up a 22 and was my, was my lowest point dog and had a couple in the thirties and forties. So I think I did very well and it was good to have that test. that kind of fit me, um, to having a good little blind. I ran a good blind, which helped me a lot and it kind of settled the nerves in right off the get go. 
And in addition, you also, like you were talking a few moments ago, name another dog. Shooter also had a 34 and Cappy a 32. So at that point, I imagine you're like, okay, several of my dogs have done quite well. I mean, Zeus didn't even do bad, a 51. So after series one, how, how are you feeling at that point with all your dogs? I felt really good. I had um, a couple of them that I, I knew I thought should have done a little better or I could have done something a little different after the first. However, you know, I still have majority of my dogs towards the top after the first. And really, to me, the first series is, is what settles me in. If I, if I know I'm up there towards the front after the first, I get a little confidence. And, you know, not never overconfident, but I just I like to have a little confidence to, to trust myself and to trust the dogs a little more and, and not back out of stuff. And for people not familiar with the sport, the first series, uh, running orders determined randomly as you draw bandanas uh, with numbers on them out of a hat. But from then on, we run kind of worst to first, if you will. So we run to, to series two. It's a field trial. Um, obviously, some of your dogs are performing better than others. Uh, when you saw that test, what were your thoughts on the layout and what the judges were looking for? And how did you approach that test? Well, I thought it was a very, very, very good field trial series. Um something that I've actually seen twice this year, very similar um, set up. Um, one of the first South Carolina events this year, they had a rectangle field and they had the four corners painted in with two retired on opposite corners. And it worked. I did not perform very well. I, I got dinged up. I didn't think, I think I handled every dog in that first event of the year. So it kind of worked to my advantage having that. Cause I went, I've practiced that some and gotten a lot better at the field trial um handling portion and man i hit the second very hard my dogs were going in there get i had a bunch of them get it clean i had a couple still handle and and do not as good but i thought i did very well in the field trial series and you know the srsu this year i got to coach my younger kids through through it and a very similar setup in the field trial so that that was pretty neat to be able to run it myself this time after so i learned a lot just by coaching the kids how to handle so it worked out really well. How much is an advantage to compete in several events throughout the year? Because I know some people, they qualify for the crown, and then they're like, okay, I'm going to go do other things. But you competed in a lot of events, and, and actually the Yukonuba Team of the Year Award is for the most consistent dog. Um, so to be able to, to win Yukonuba Team of the Year, you have to, A, compete a lot, and, B, when you compete, be one of the best competitors. And, of course, you finished first, second, and third in the Team of the Year standing. So – you just mentioned you saw something similar in South Carolina. You saw something similar as a coach in SRSU. So how much of an advantage is that to you to, to have so many experiences throughout the year that may look like some of the tests here uh, at the crown championship? I, I think it was detrimental that I ran the amount of events I did. Every event I learned something about my dogs and learned something about how to handle and being younger into the game that, I needed to learn a lot as a handler to be able to grow, to be able to be a crown champion and to be better and better. So the I felt like the more events, the more times I got to stand at the line and evaluate the process. And also my dogs got to settle in and see the process as well, that it really gained to their knowledge and benefit. And I run 15, 14 or 15 events this year. And I would say next year, I'll hope to be just as many, um, if not just a few less, I had a great time, you know, hanging out with everybody at all the events and, and competing, but also the amount of knowledge I learned from my dogs was very tremendous. In that second series, I'm looking at some of the scores here. I mean, specifically the six dogs that made it to the final. The others all put up a 34, a 43, a 53, a 32, a 64. And you and Cappy get a 15. 
Um, so that kind of sets you up right there to, to be in the lead, you know, throughout the weekend. Um, why do you think that you and Cappy perform so much better on that test than some of the others? Cappy is, he's a little better field trial. He was grew up through a field trial world. So, you know, it helped out, but a lot of the dogs there was, and Cappy works so good, um, holding the line and working with me. And he's a very, very big team player. And I think in that series in particular, it really helped. We had a little overcast lighting it had um some misty rain at times and so the birds were kind of tough to see and it was really really good bird placement but the ability of cappy to be able to let me sit there and take my time and work with him and talk him into it allowed me to put him in the right spots and he holds he holds the line so good that that really gives him a huge advantage going into a field trial series with that you really just need to get to the area to get the wind you mentioned a minute ago your goal was to take one dog after they cut the field after two um, series, and you had multiple. So heading into series three, what's going through your mind? So going into the third, I knew I got a lot of confidence going to the third after the second. I knew I had five dogs going to the third and essentially had a lot of my best bullets that I took with me. And the first dog I got to run was a dog named Joe and well, I run a dog named Zeus first. Zeus, who ended up making the finals, he, he's a 10-year-old, and, man, he's always the best dog I could run first. He drew the highest number. I got to run in the first series first, and he lets me settle in. He makes a lot of good good decisions and never really does nothing bad. So getting to run Zeus first, I went in there, and, man, I got confidence. And the next the next four after that was, was fun to run. Um, a lot of exciting times. I lost blue in that series on the poison bird and, and then were two really tough blinds extremely tough and i was uh i was c- glad to be able to come out of there with four of them after the tough bird poison bird that was what do you think it is about zeus that makes him settle you down is it his age and his experience or is it just his de- his demeanor a, a little of both his age he's a 10 year old so he's seen it all and he don't he knows a lot as well but he's also very laid back. He's not a high-strung, high-powered dog that's going to overrun me. But at the same time, he's got the, gu- the, the guts to go get the hard bird, and he has the ability to work with me at the line, which just settles me down a lot. I've, I've had a lot of good success this year being able to run him when he got drawn to run first or early in the series. In that series, Shooter had a 102, and Shooter all year is obviously, you know, as the, as the team of the year, y'all were the most consistent um, where do you think things went a little south for Shooter? And at that point, were you worried that, you know, maybe Shooter was too far behind to recover? Yeah, I got I got real nervous only if he could if he was even gonna get in after that. Um on the first blind he went he had a good initial start and got through the pavilion, which was really tough. A lot of my dogs have never seen that. I've never run under a pavilion like that. And then Shooter went under it and I thought he was at the blind pole and he ended up coming up about 30 yards right the next time you could see him with no bird and had a couple of refusals getting him back in there and, and obviously corridor penalties. So I was real nervous. I was like, oh, I got to have a good water blind. So I really took advantage of the poison bird to try to risk risk the picking it up, but I wanted to challenge it to be rewarded. And I think that's the only thing that held him in was he had an amazing water blind, got in there, and then – he barely skinned in there and got it, got into the next series, fortunately, which that was just a blessing to be able to save the bad one to get out of the bad series. 
We're going to talk about this in a minute because anyone that watched The Crown knows what happened in the fifth. We're not going to we're not going to spoil it yet for those that didn't. But um, similarity between the third and fifth and that there's a, a, a short time frame where you may or may not be able to see your dog. Uh, what goes through your mind in those five, 10, sometimes 15 seconds where, OK, I saw my dog go over that way because of the terrain. There might be a hill. There might be a ravine. I can't see my dog for a few minutes or a few seconds. It probably feels like a few minutes. And when they come out, then I'm going to have to decide if I handle them or not. I mean, how nerve wracking is that to not be able to see your dog for a few seconds? Oh, it's extremely nerve wracking. The only thing you can do is just sit back and trust your training. And, you know, when he went out of sight, you hope you put him in the best spot to go out of sight in. And then all you can do is just trust the dog. And from that point forward, there's nothing else to do and be very aware. I look for any motion in the in the bushes or in the cover or in the terrain just first sign you can see the dog you got to make a quick decision so you kind of got to already have a game plan in your mind going in that if the dog gets to a certain spot you got to be able to handle and that's something i did i I watched a couple dogs early on go right when shooter in the third series and when he ended up right i knew immediately i needed to recover quickly so as soon as i seen him i gave i started casting back to the left which helped me out a lot. Let's talk about Cappy's uh, third series run of 48. What were your thoughts on Cappy's performance there in series three? Um, Cappy had a good, good. He, Cappy's always one I worry about on remote sins. He hasn't done a whole lot of it. We practiced it. He's had some struggles on remote sins throughout the year. So him getting off the landline on remote was very big for me. I gained a lot of confidence just him leaving and had a really nice landline. I think just a couple whistles, um, very nice landline. And on the water blind, He's probably one of my best water blind dogs, but he wants to stay out to see a little more than that blind asked for. So I was giving him a couple casts to the left, which put him towards the poison bird. And I had to switch to my backup whistle just to get him off of it. And when, um, fortunately, he gave me the good off the point cast and finished the blind out. So it was, it got really nerve wracking. I kind of got a little nervous about midway through that blind, but the deep breath at the end of it surely, surely was great. Series four was a a hybrid test, if you will, kind of half field trial, half hunt test. Uh, Describe that test for those who, whether they saw it or not, just the test and what it it looked like from uh, the line. Because I know sometimes when we see it from the jib or we see it, you know, on television, it it looks a little bit different than from where you're looking standing there on the mat. Um, From the line, we walk up to the to in front of a bucket and chair with gun and you stand up and you point a long field trial mark off a really long water mark. And birds on right to left, bird hits the ground. Um, you have a few seconds to be able to let the dog watch it. And then you sit down in the chair and you move into a HRC style hunt test. And you have a bird thrown left or right off the left side of the pond. And then out in front of the field trial mark was another hunt test mark that you had to cross a little channel to. And it was the mandatory go bird. Um, it was a very well placed out test. The go bird was... It gave more trouble to dogs than I think everybody imagined. However, it was not the primary bird. The left-hand bird was um, a lot of dogs did very well on it. And then it got to the long bird. And the long retired, the long white coat mark retired. And I would have to say I think only two dogs did it absolutely perfect. And neither one was mine. But all of mine did a really nice job of getting to the long gun and finding the bird. 
And you were talking about those two dogs in particular, which were uh, Justin Herger and Cash and, and Lyle Stoneman and Hatch. And because they went and got that go bird almost flawlessly, both of them come away with a 14 in series four and, and your dogs didn't do bad at all. I mean, you came away with, with a, with a 33 and a 40 and a, and a 34. Um, but when you go out there and, and you have a, a pretty good run and then you see two others have almost a flawless run, uh, do you start sweating it a little bit at that point? Um, I, I don't think I was sweating it at that time. I knew, um, Justin and Cash, they're very strong. And of course, Lyle's always got hatch right there for the last however many years um, in a good spot that I knew it was going to be tight. Um, Cappy had had a good lead going into that series that helped a lot. So I still had a 30 point lead going, going to the fifth. So I, you know, I was, I was still feeling really confident with him. I knew the other dog, Zeus and Shooter, they, they was going to have to make up some ground leaving that series. And, you know, they, Justin and Justin and Lyle are both extremely good handlers. So, just being able to be in the finals with them two guys, I knew I knew I was gonna have to be on my A game. So it's the morning of the finals, and they're doing the the test dogs, and they're explaining the test. And the judges actually had to change a couple things, and and that test has a a blind, a little mutt hut the dog has to be in. It has two bubba gunners and a boat. It has a poison bird. It has um, some snow geese that you have to go replace one of your decoys that fell off. So it is almost a, a typical real hunt scenario, uh, a lot going on. Um, and I know a lot of the handlers all had questions um, about the test because it was such a, a complex test. Uh, but I was standing there beside Lee Howard uh, and he said, look, man, this is when we get into a game like this, a, a test like this. It's, it's complex, but it's fun. As you were seeing the judges explain that series five test, what were your thoughts? So he, Lee's exactly right. I mean, we're all we're all avid outdoorsmen, and we don't get to hunt as much as we used to, but we we still are avid duck hunters and love it. And being able to get in that situation is that's what these dogs are 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 for, and that's what we enjoy the most. So and, you know, I got up there and I had I was like, man, this is fun. This is what we practice for. This is the the grand finale of it right here and the first thing in my mind was i'll put another poison bird we've already gotten by one and the third but let's just don't do it again and it was another one sitting on the bank with a white flasher and then i seen the long water blind that was the second thing to my mind was the long water blind and i was like which had the poison bird involved and i knew that that second piece of water was going to be hard to get into with the big left or right wind towards the bank i was like this i was wondering how far we can go where where what how what's the dogs gonna do and they proved just like i thought they would they were caving right the marks didn't really bother me much as long as i can get the dogs to see them and which i think all of mine seen the march so that was a good sign you came into that final series in sixth fifth and first so you were the first to run the second to run and then the last to run um everybody struggled to see as they, to, to your point, is that second part of water, they, they struggled to see their dog there. And you did something that when you did it, uh, I mean, it surprised everybody. It surprised people in the boat. It surprised the judges. It surprised us calling the live stream. You jumped up on the Thor boat um, to give yourself a, a higher vantage point. Um, was that something that you planned when you're watching the test dog earlier in the day? Is that something that after you had already run Zeus and Shooter, you thought, man, I need to be higher when did you decide to make that 
interesting move to to leave the ground and jump up and stand on the boat to give yourself you know seven eight higher foot uh, view. Well, when watching the test dog immediately, I, and I was thinking that you know their dog's going to go out of sight. I was thinking go left, go get as far left as possible, and but I didn't know if you could really see them there or not still. So, and I kind of looked at the boat and didn't think much of it, but I was like, well, you know, there's always the possibility of getting up higher there, but I didn't want to ask any questions, um, to, to get it ruled out by the judges. I just let it, just let it go and didn't think of it. When I ran Zeus, Zeus did come up right, um, early. So immediately then I was like, okay, the rest of, if one of mine does it, I'm sure the rest of them's going to do it. And a lot of the dogs come up right early, way early, right. So when Shooter, I ran way left um, on the blind. When he entered the water, I come up, I ran 30, 40 yards to the left and still couldn't see him. So immediately I threw going left out the window. There was no possibility to go left anymore. Got to watch a few other dogs run. And I said, all right, if I, if Cappy enters the water and does not bail off really hard, I'm getting to the higher ground. And we had a bird boy change right before I ran Cappy. And it gave me a few more minutes to sit there and think about it. And I kind of was just talking with the with the gunners in the boat and was just asking. I was like, man, y'all got a good view up there and all type of stuff. And they was like, oh, yeah, it's real nice. And I didn't say another word to them about it. And from then on, I knew my game plan was as soon as he hits the water, I'm getting in the boat. I just need him to not come back. Well, as soon as I got into the boat, he was poking back up at me. So I was extremely glad I got up there. I got to see him the rest of the way. I, I never lost sight of him again. Brilliant move. I mean, because like we're back there calling the live stream and, and we can't see it. We can't see the dogs either, but we can see it on the screen because our jib's probably 15 to 20 feet up in the air. So for those of you not familiar with what a jib is, it's one of those cameras you may have seen at a Super Retriever Series event. Or you may have seen it at a football game before where it's got this long extension and it makes the camera be able to get higher. And so for everyone watching the live stream or the competitors there in person who were back at their trucks watching the live stream, we can all see the dogs the entire time, but at the line, the handlers can't. And so there is a 12 to, I think at one point Luke Kors stopwatch that it was 12 to 15 seconds in there where you can't see your dog. And you realized, wait a minute, if the jib can see it and these people in the boat can see it, why don't I stand up in the boat? That decision may be the reason why you're the crown champion. So has it sank in yet of just how brilliant of a move you made there kind of on the fly? I, it, it hasn't. Um, you know, I'm, I sit there and I, I think it's just another another thing to do. And, you know, it's something we've done all year, think outside the box. And um, a guy I train with every day, Mr. Dan Caton, he he has been older guy, ran the amateur and SRS, and he went to a Stephen Durrance seminar one time, and Stephen's always preached to him in the seminar to think outside the box, think outside the box. And that's who wins. That's who wins a crown. If you think outside the box and Mr. Dan has preached that into me. So, you know, when I'm up there and I, I'll give Steven credit for it cause he come up for it. But man, I, I thought outside the box. I just, I just knew, you know, I got to do something there. If I keep doing the same thing, I won't win this. Justin Hergert just had a really nice blind in front of me. He put the pressure on us. So we needed to, we had to hunker down and get it done. So I needed to think outside the box and, and we got it done. In every other series, they announce the scores as they're posted. In the finals, we announce them at the very end. You mentioned Justin. Justin in Series 4 had had a 14, and Series 5 had a 46, whereas you had had a 34 in Series 4 and an 83 in Series 5. You know, you don't know your score at that point, but 
knowing how you've run all week, are you doing the math in your head? And if so, are you thinking when they're announcing, when the, when the Marshall Matt Emerson's announcing sixth place, fifth place, fourth place, third place, and they get the final two and you're standing there beside Justin at that point, did you think you had won or did you think Justin had possibly won? I was pretty confident I won at that time. Um, going into my run with Kathy, I knew I needed to pick up the go the first bird uh, the first bird out, which was floating in the water. If I can get it clean, and Kathy did, and then have a good blind, I knew I was had the lead to be able to handle on one. I think Kathy had like a eighty point lead over Justin at that time. He had a thirty point lead over Lyle going into the finals, and. So I knew I could handle on one bird and still have plenty of room. So being that I had a, when I got finished with the blind, it was a lot of relief because I said, I'll surely I'll get two. And when I sent for the next bird, he went and got it. So I was down to two birds and then I had to handle. I ended up handling on the fourth bird and I was like, man, that's not the bird I wanted to handle. When I wanted, if I had to handle, I'd handle on the last one and Cappy ended up running up the hill and picking up the last bird clean and, I had a good feeling that I won at that time, just knowing the score in my head and knowing that the blind was a good blind, so there couldn't be too much point separation there. You mentioned one of your mentors, Dan. Uh, you have a big support system, fans, friends, family. Uh, your mom, we saw her there on the final day. She said when she saw you at Three Dogs in the final, she got in the car, drove all night, arrived at 6 in the morning to be able to, to see you there in person. Lee stuck around, um, you know, to make sure that, uh, you know, everything went well with you and, and to see you win the crown. Your mom said everybody back home was, even though it was a, a big football weekend, she said, wasn't anybody at home watching football. They were all watching Carter. So um, what's it mean to you to know that you had that much of a support system and that they were able to to have this moment with you as well to see you win? Oh, it's, it is amazing. I have one of the best support systems in the country and I'll tell everybody that hands down. I got a wife and two kids at home that has no clue about what dog training is, but a four-year-old that was sitting there. And when I jumped on the boat, my wife said that he jumped up on the living room recliner every time, just reenacting it over and over again, blowing his whistle in the living room, watching it. And my mom getting to make the drive, I couldn't ask for any better. Um, you know, getting to do it, have a little support behind me, it always makes it a little easier knowing you got somebody standing there and of course, Lee Howard been in the final the last few years with Shooter, and I've asked him a lot of questions and pinged it off of him. And you know, there's been a bunch of guys that have supported me this year and have supported me in the past, and I hope will still support me in the future. And I couldn't do it without them. Um, you know, that a lot of support makes it a lot easier to be able to go every weekend and to be able to compete at the highest level with these fine animals. What a great visual, man. You on the boat and your kid on the recliner. That's amazing. Um, it's hard to follow up the year you had this year. Uh, rookie of the year, like I said, Nike Award winner, uh, Nuka Team of the Year for second and third. And now, of course, the one thing that everyone always chases is the crown. Uh, when we talk to crown winners in the past, you know, some people say, man, I want to win the crown. And then and then they get that, that, that bug that bites them and they say, well, now I want to win the crown multiple times. Um, you talked about you came into the crown with a, with a bullseye on your back. Certainly you're going to relish in this moment for a while, but next season, how do you follow up the 2023 season you had? And, and is it possible to have that good of a season in 2024? Or are you just going to be grateful for the year that you had? Um, I'm uh, Of course, I'm grateful for this year, but you know, there's still a lot of goals left to do and a lot of things to accomplish. Um, I want, one thing I've already determined is I want I want to have double digit dogs qualified next season. 
Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to be able to compete in the team of the year and maybe win with, even if it was Cappy or Shooter being back up there again or be able to maybe get another dog um, team of the year. That That's always a good yearly goal. And, of course, you know, everybody wants to win a crown championship every year. But before I ever even ran an event this year, I told I told somebody, I said, last year, this was two seasons ago, last time I had six dogs in a weekend final event. And I said, I'm going to do that at a crown one day. And I got three. And I was like, oh, wait, it, it could be possible. And this, it, it's a hard one. So, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to quit until I can possibly get six in the crown finals one day. Where it's just you in the finals, right? <laughs> For yeah, second, yeah. third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. And then it's which dog gets there. That is a quite a goal. You mentioned some of the dogs you ran with this year, Cappy, Shooter, Zeus, Joe, Blue. Who are we going to see next year? How many of them are going to be back? Uh, and then is there any, you know, up-and-coming dogs that you have that we also need to keep an eye on? Um, yes, all, my, my entire crew will be back next year. I'll have all eight of them. Um, this year I have one dog not get qualified, um, dog named Mo that I got from Lee halfway through the season when Lee went out. And, of course, next year I'll be able to pick up Lee's um, dogs as well, so hopefully have Snow back in. Emmy did retire for Lee this year. She's a 10-year-old who's going to retire. And we got three or four young dogs. I'm very, very blessed to be able to run and couple other ones that just getting back healthy this year i got a dog named yum who's placed in the crown amateur division a few years ago that for mr dan i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna beg him to run her and you know i think it's very achievable with the with the dogs i have this year all of them's returning next year so i'll have a good chance again going into it you got a busy couple weeks on the road i know that always this time of year is um a a very busy time for dog handlers but once you finally do get back home how are you going to celebrate the crown championship uh, you know, um, I'm, one thing I'm going to do is uh, um, my wife is wanting to go to a Morgan Wallen concert, so I'm, I'm going to venture out and take her to that. Um, I guess that'll be the celebration because right after that, we're going we're gonna to get back to work. You know, during the winter months is the best time to train during the, in the south, so we're going to get back to work and go ahead and prepare for next year, and there's some things we got to work on um, to be a little better. We want to make the pack of dogs I had this year better and then with the ones we had last year this past season and we come away with a crown championship this past season so if we're even better i know the competition's going to be better so we got to be better as well if you go to that concert and your wife says she can't see because the person in front of her standing uh, there and they're tall and you say hey come over here i got a better viewpoint i'm just going to give her a word of advice she should follow you and go over there because you've already <laughs> proven you can seek higher ground and get a better view of things uh, Carter, thanks for spending some time with us today. Again, congratulations on an amazing year. And then to cap it all off with Cappy, uh, pun not intended there, uh, to win the crown championship, uh, tremendous job great weekend there in a great week there in Shreveport and to close it out in the weekend with a, with a crown on, on behalf of everyone, uh, from the super retriever series, the judges, your fellow competitors. I think we all just want to say job well done here in 2023 and way to close it out, man, with a win. Thank you, sir. All right, we'll catch you further down the road. Y'all heard it here. He's not going away. In fact, his future goal is to have all six dogs in a final some year. So uh, we'll see if he can achieve that in the future. But for now, Carter Turner is the king in the 2023 Super Retriever Series crown champions in the open division. We'll catch y'all next time right here on the Behind the Line podcast. 
Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.